Anyway, uh, we won't get into that, or maybe. If you got a Bible, why don't you grab it and let's go to the book of Matthew's Gospel. We're going to be in the last chapter, and we are continuing a series of what it looks like. How you doing, Ben? Uh, what it looks like to continue to live counterculture in a world that just seems to be in chaos. Now, we'll conclude this in a couple weeks, and, and next week and the week after we'll be talking about government, and, and then we'll be talking about human life, so what could go wrong within those sermons, um, you'll just have to find out, all right? But today I want us to look at this, this, this idea of what are we supposed to be doing while the world just seems like it's just in flames, right? Like, are, do we continue our mission as a church? And I, and I would suggest that being as the world is most likely seeing a lot darker days than we are in right now, the answer to that is a resounding yes. So how do we continue to live in a world that just seems like it's so anti-Christ? What are we to do with that mission that Jesus is about to give us? So let's take a look at this. Just a few verses for us this morning. I'm going to pick it up in verse 18. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Hear the word of the living and true God. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth. All authority. Let me say that one more time. In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Jesus is Trinitarian, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, look at this fact. It's not just a promise. It's a fact. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Would you bow your head and let's pray again. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. I thank you, God, that many of us have probably been looking for you to speak to us. And I just want to say thank you for speaking to us, because you just did. I pray, God, that this word would sanctify us in the truth of your word. Bring sinners to repentance. Bring us as the church to repentance also. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. How are we to live? In this world that we're in, how are we to continue to carry out the mission of the Lord? There's so much to say about this passage, and so y'all just going to have to pray for me that I get this done in 35 minutes. This is not just a mission for these 11 boys that Jesus is talking to. It's not just a mission that was just uh, found just for their local context. It's not just for the first century church. This mission is a universal mission that is to reach the end of the age. And so you need to understand context because if we are to live and continue the mission in a world that's in chaos, I would suggest that the world has been in more chaos in times of past than it is today. Think about the hostility between not the Romans and the Christians yet, but the Jews and the Christians. And they just crucify, they try to kill and silence Jesus. And so there's already this tension and this, this hostility that's here. And amongst 
the hostility, Jesus looks at them and says what? Go. And that mission just wasn't for them. Because later, a few decades later, then the opposition would come from without, uh, from, from out of the race from the Roman Empire. And by 70 AD, the Roman Empire would crush and demolish Jerusalem. Are they to stop the mission of God then? Did they stop the mission of God then? This hostility, yet it continued for centuries into uh, millennials, and even in the last 150 years, the church has experienced more persecution. Get your minds around this. The church has experienced more persecution worldwide in the last 150 years than it has ever experienced. And then 2020 comes rolling up in my front yard, throwing its garbage everywhere. What am I going to do? Stop the mission of God then? You think Peter was going to stop the mission? No, he'd come out screaming out of a room, tell them they're all a bunch of sinners, they need to repent. It, it, surely it was terrifying when some of these apostles and disciples, they saw Stephen preaching the message as he was being pelted by rocks. Do, do we stop the message then? No, despite our situation, we are to continue this, this mission. I want us to look at this mission, uh, this, this word. I like, I like what he says. He says, so all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, we get the authority in heaven, right? That's for me, all right? I'm, I'm not speaking for y'all, but let me just speak for myself. That's an easy thing for me to grasp. God's got the power in the cosmos. But I'm going to be honest with y'all this morning. I, I find it hard for this next part that all authority is in Jesus is also on earth. It's not just inclusive for the universe. All authority, Jesus has it on earth now. Do, we not, do I struggle with that? Because I look at things in our world today and I'm like, you got all authority? Really? That's a question that I'm asking this year. You still have all authority, Jesus? Like, sure, we, we want to go and escape into heaven, but Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I got all authority in heaven and on earth. And this would have been an offense to anyone who was in power. Because Jesus is saying, listen, the power belongs to me. I'll just use you. According to what Romans 13 would say. All you in power, you political pundits out there, those in governors, presidents, sars, emperors, you belong to me. How can, how can God have authority and power like this? So Jesus says, all this authority, that remember the, the temptation of Jesus when the devil was trying to give him what already belonged to Jesus? Like a moron. Jesus is slapping that in the face. Oh, no, brother. All the power of authority is here now. And so Matthew, this writer here, not me, Matthew the writer, this power, this authority, go announce that. Go take this kingdom of God message to the leadership. Go take this kingdom of God message to the Roman Empire. 
Go tell the local magistrates that they fall under the power of Jesus, not over the power of Jesus. Go, all power, all authority, heaven, here on earth, and go take that kingdom message and spread it to all of the nations. And so Matthew understood this concept and the idea of authority because he really spends a lot of time in this gospel with dealing with the authority of Jesus Christ. So he understands and he gets it. So this, this is relatable to Matthew here in the text. And just think about Matthew when he came into contact with Jesus. He understood the authority. And this wasn't just some like kind of uh, tyrannical authority like, Matthew, you follow me now. Jesus looks at him with an authoritative love. And Matthew, the tax collector who was hated amongst his peers, Matthew, the tax collector, who was in cahoots with the Romans. Matthew, the tax collector, who shouldn't have followed Jesus. His posse and the mafia was going to take care of him. But something about this Jesus captivated him. And I would just present and suggest that it was the authoritative love of Jesus Christ when he locked his eyes in Matthew's face, the tax collector, and he said, you follow me. It was that authoritative love Jesus had. And he looked at Matthew, and Matthew could not say no. Matthew hears the tax collector, you want me? Like, I'm hated. You, you want me? Like, Nobody likes me. Am I, like, really, it's, it's probably this Eeyore moment, right? Nobody likes me. His profession really wasn't the best for people like him. But he was profiting off of the, the, the poor. Very wicked man. And Jesus looks at him. So, so Matthew gets it. He gets the authority, this authoritative love of Jesus. And I would just present to you this morning that we have that same authority in us, the church, the Holy Spirit. That authority that speaks love and truth. That authority that can look at the wicked and tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. That's inside of you. But, but hear me now. Here's, here's a little soul-crushing thing just to make sure our egos aren't inflated. It ain't your power, boo-boo. It's his power working through you. So never get that confused. It's not by my power, not by my might, not by any of the strength that I can kind of conjure up. It's by His Holy Spirit. And that's the mission that we have. And that's how we will continue to advance this mission in a culture that's up in flames. Literally. Like the whole West Coast, they up in flames. So it's, it's interesting. Now look what he says. Go. So we have this power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And, and look what he tells us. He says, Go. Go, therefore. Go announce this authority of Jesus Christ. Go announce the authority and the power and this kingdom of God. Go announce that. Go announce it. And so look what he tells us. He gets a little detailed in his mission for us. Go and make disciples. Now, this word go, it. it it carries in the Greek not just a command, but it's a present participle. So it's going and make disciples. 
So wherever you are, you're, you're making disciples. In, in Mark's account, Mark says that go and preach the gospel. Go and preach the gospel. Now, now what is the gospel? Let's, let's clarify some things this morning, if I can. The gospel in the Greek word means good news. And they would have messengers that would take this good news out, take this good news of the authority of Jesus Christ and his rule in heaven and on earth, and they would go take that kingdom message and push it out. This gospel message that some of us, we find it good news, but when you first hear it, it's actually offensive. It's offensive because it takes everything that you think you know and kills it. Here's why the gospel is so offensive. It calls sinners to repent and turn away from their lifestyle and turn to Jesus Christ. That's offensive. It calls sinners to trust in Jesus and stop trusting in your own efforts and in your own works and start trusting in the work of the cross of Christ. That's offensive. It's offensive because, and I would even suggest that the gospel is politically offensive in its claim that Jesus now has this authority. Because that means his authority, is, like I've already just said, is over every single worldly authority. Okay. Now let's take that message to Washington and see what kind of reception we get. Because they don't bow to no one. But hear me, one day we all will bow either to King Jesus or Judge Jesus. And I don't care where, I don't care where you stand on political things. This is a political statement. Jesus is king. And take that message to our local magistrates. And take that message to our statewide leaders. Go take that message to our congressmen and tell them that you bow to King Jesus. Go take that to the president and tell him you don't bow to yourself. You bow to King Jesus. But just preach the gospel, they say. Or so, or so I was told. Matthew, just stick with preaching the gospel. Leave politics to politicians. Let me say something real quick. We are in a mess right now because we've hidden. Oh, it's just the kingdom of the church. No, it's the authoritative rule of God on earth we need godly christian people leading right now but where's the church at right now cowering i don't want to be called out preach the gospel i will preach the gospel i'm not going to be a turd or a jerk about it but i will call your sinful self to repentance and i will not shy away from that my soul be damned if I do. We're not shy away from looking at our political leaders and tell them, you need to repent 
Because you will bow to Jesus Christ. Because he is the authoritative king of heaven and earth. But just preach the gospel. I think what they mean is just, just don't be offensive and, and just tell everybody that, that Jesus is love. He loves you so much. Yeah, he does. But he's also a judge. Just preach the gospel. Let's, let's ask Peter how that turned out for him. Peter come out, this wimpy coward who just denied Jesus comes out screaming this two-hour-long message. Y'all wouldn't hang, man. I mean, it's like this long chapter. And it's not like seeker-friendly. Ain't nothing about it friendly. I mean, he's ruthless. You all sin. I mean, it's like Peter needs a hug. In Church Planning 101, we don't start sermons out like the way Peter does. But my boy Peter got crucified upside down for it. As Stephen is preaching this beautiful gospel, and it is beautiful, they stone him. But just preach the gospel. So look what he says. Make disciples. Make disciples by proclaiming the gospel, by baptizing them. He kind of outlines like what that looks like. It's baptizing and teaching them. Baptizing and teaching them. Seeing people one over for Christ. Seeing salvation and then teaching them as you are going. It's a teaching that ends in doing Hear that one more time. It's a teaching that ends in doing. Y'all, we got a lot of um, we got a lot of smart professional football commentators in our world today, especially here in the South. I'm one of them. I don't know why they ain't put me on ESPN yet, but it's their loss. But if I'm about to get on the field and play football, I'm not going to listen to me because I've never played football. I know some of you are like, wait, what? I thought you were like a lineman or something. <laughs> it wasn't that funny, John. I want to listen to someone who's been in the game, right? I want to listen to someone who's been in the fight. That's who I'm going to listen to. So we're teaching that ends with doing. We're teaching people as we are doing, as we are in this fight with them. But please do learn, all right? And preach where? Where does he say that you're going? To the nations. All nations. This isn't a foreign language. I mean, this kind of seems foreign to us because we just kind of feel like we're in this small West Point, Georgia Valley bubble. But the call was for all nations. This was a promise that was given in the Old Testament. And this would have been familiar language for the boys when they heard all nations. They, they probably remember maybe Jesus, and this is conjecture, but they, Jesus maybe have mentioned some of the law and some of the Psalms and some of the prophets within them in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. The promise was, I will bless those who bless you and curse who curse and all peoples on earth 
will be blessed through you, the Abrahamic covenant. Psalms 86.9, all the nations, not some. This isn't just confined to Israel, just for the Jews. All nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Psalm 72, 11, all kings, there's another political statement, will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. First Chronicles 16, 24, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Ezekiel 37, 38, I've got about 200 of them, but I'm going to limit it down to just a few. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel with my sanctuary in their midst foremost. And perhaps my favorite, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, is a, a look into the future as this promise has been consummated to where all the nations now joined together. And John the Apostle and the Revelator looks up into the heavens, and after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation every tribe, people, and language, the promise fulfilled. Standing before the throne in the front of the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Where are we going? Where are we going? To the nations. To the world. To people outside of our little bubble here. To places where there aren't many churches. Where are we going? This idea is that the believers, our task in life is to duplicate yourself, leading men and women to Christ. I like this final word that he gives as it properly returns our focus on Jesus rather than keeping it for ourselves that while we are on mission even when we are faithless even when we drop the ball look, look what he says that behold I'll be with you always and until the end of time he's got a plan the reality is that we have to stay on this mission church despite what's happening in our culture, despite what's the animosity that is there, despite that there is no room for love, despite that there is no room for actually conversations, we have to remain focused, stay on mission. Despite the government shutdowns, we have to remain on mission. Whether you agree or disagree, I'm, I don't care. I'm telling you we have to remain on mission. That's not a political statement. That's a biblical statement. We live in a culture here in the South where there's churches everywhere. And you know, this year I've, I've realized something that if it's, if it's exposed anything to me, it's exposed the need of the gospel in our country, the need of the gospel within our even our churches in, in, in our hearts. You know, there's over 200 churches just probably in a 
10 mile radius here. As the saying goes, you throw a rock out your window, you hit one. I don't know what their successes will be in the end. That's not for me to judge. I don't, I don't know what, what's happening within those churches. I don't know. I hope they're preaching the gospel. I know that what our success has to look like, it has to be measured by this, to go make disciples, go to the nations. Last year, you guys may remember that we sent out a family, two families, in an incredibly hostile part of our country that where there are no churches. There are LDS wards, but there are few. In fact, the percentage is less than 1% of people in the state of Utah where they moved consider themselves Christians. 93% they consider themselves Latter-day Saints or Mormons for those of you. And we sent them there to start a gospel work. We sent them there to, that they can be a beacon of light in a world that's hostile to the true gospel, in a world that's not saturated with the message of Jesus Christ. Some of you may be wondering, are they still alive? <laughs> if you follow them on social media, you know that they are living their life. And they have to smear it in your faces with these beautiful landscape pictures. Oh, it's just our backdrop. I have a finger for that, but I'll save that for my unsanctified crowd. They're actually watching as they watch us every Sunday. They started doing church, and they actually have people coming to a basement. In fact, they put together a video so that they can, you can see what God is doing in YouTube. So you guys, if y'all want to play that video, then I'll come back up here in just a second. Nothing beats doing life with family. It's been over a year since the McGinnis and Bush family started this journey together. We started meeting every Sunday in our town home to prepare us for our mission, to spread the gospel to Utah. It is so beautiful outside here that we have been doing Bible studies in the park. We did an overview of the entire Bible in four weeks, letting everyone know the good news that there has been a God in pursuit of us since the beginning. We've been networking with other churches, and after Dan and Carrie bought a home, one of the local churches even let us borrow some chairs to set it up in the Bush House basement, which some people are now referring to as Basement Church. God blessed us with the opportunity of taking part of a Christian music event not too far from Cedar City. The hearts of the people here are in the right place, but the response of the crowd really revealed how hungry they are for something new, something refreshing, and something exciting. Something God is calling us to bring. It wasn't too bad of a backdrop either.
We are set up in the Bush House basement and ready for God to send people our way, to hear the gospel in a fresh way through his unadulterated and unfiltered word. putting a refuge spin on things. And God is moving. We already have one family that has joined us. Last week, God sent us two more families that heard us at the music event. kids to adults, everyone loved it. We always tune in and listen to you guys on Facebook Live, and they were able to hear Matthew speak. And of course, we always have to explain to them who Willie is. There was a beautiful altar call, and we believe that hearts were touched and minds were blown at how much God loves them. We are forming relationships. Refuge City Church is making an impact, all for his glory. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Continue to pray for us, as we will for you. Keep spreading the gospel and keep being the church. We miss you, Refuge Point family. Pray that we can be the same family to the people here in Utah. Peter jumping out of an upper room. He once denied Jesus. Now he's spreading this authoritative love to all nations. Somehow, it ended in West Point, Georgia. And it ended in Valley, Lynette. It ended here. Just over 2,000 years, the church despite what they were facing, despite the pandemics they faced, the black plagues, the persecution. There was never a moment where the mission of God stopped. Somehow that message that continued ended in, in my heart. My parents grew, raised me in a church and they, they poured the gospel in me. And now this church, you know what we're doing? We're going. Not just to West Point, but to all nations. And I, this is what I just earnestly believe, if I'm, if I'm just being honest with you. That soon, that church in, West, in, that church in Utah soon it will raise leaders and then they will go to the nations look what you guys are a part of 
What, when does this end? When does this end? Jesus answers that. He says, and behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. God has a plan to end this. I don't know when that is, and don't listen to anyone who thinks they do. But in the meantime, church, go. Make disciples. Preach the gospel. To the nations. And we rest in knowing that he's with us. Father.